Welcome to the Red Dove Podcast. I'm Liz. And I'm Blue. How are you? Welcome back. Good. How are you? I'm good. We were talking before we recorded, talking about COVID and everybody just mental self-checking. You okay? Doing the best that I can do. Right. The best I can do. How about you? The ups and downs. You know, definitely check, um, like, my therapist, there's three, she, she, she gave me a good, um, not a mantra, but sort of, like, good idea, like, did, did you sleep six to eight hours that day? Did you eat three meals? Have you exercised? So, if you are spiraling out, do, like, a little mental check-in, like, and if you're not, if you can't check something off the box... Go back to start and work on that. Sleep, eat, exercise. And, like, for me, sometimes, well, exercise has been difficult because the COVID, the interruption to access. But um, recently, definitely was not sleeping or eating. And it's sort of like mental self-check-in. Ask yourself, Definitely. did I sleep? Did I eat? Did I exercise? Yep. Hang in there, Red Dove audience. We yes. hear you. We see you. I'm with you. Definitely finding something that can relieve some stress is beneficial. And if you don't have a village or access to a mental health professional, um, something I learned in therapy Write it down. Write how you're feeling down. Write it all out. It is, uh, when I've done that, it felt like a mental purge of bad feelings. They no longer stayed within my soul. They were out on the paper. And that way, you are not suppressing them. You are giving them voice, but you are no longer carrying them. Right. If you're Red Dove, you're out there. If you're isolated, if you're unable to have a village or to seek professional mental health, it's something I learned in therapy I wanted to share with you guys. You humans, I apologize. You humans. (laughs) Um, We're like you. We are all in this together. Writing it down. Anyway, just a bit of a ramble, but I'm just saying it it helped me, especially in dark spots, especially if I couldn't access my village, access a mental health professional. I could write down something, whether it's in my phone or on a piece of paper. Um, It really helped. So I just want to share that if anybody might be somebody out there that needed to hear that. So hang in there. You're right. Love it. Speaking of which, again, like, Thank you to our audience. Um, thank you for your feedback. Thank you for connecting with us. It it really, it warms our hearts. I'm glad that you are enjoying the podcast. Um, we do read the reviews on Apple Podcast. So you know, write us a review, leave us five stars, tell your friends, because that's how this podcast community can grow. And more people can hear about it. It helps the podcast grow. So if there's anything you can do for the Red Dove, it would be leave us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Write us a review. We read them. 
We enjoy we them. Sure we do. appreciate them. We appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. So, tonight, a dovetail. And a dovetail from the Red Dove is a story from American history. Tonight, we're going to tell the story of Buffalo Calf Road Woman. She's a, she was a member of the North Cheyenne tribe. And doing some research in preparation for this show, there's very little recorded on Buffalo Calf Road Woman. This story is uh, probably going to be shorter than some of our other ones, but it's a pretty badass story, so it deserves to be told. Definitely. We're going to be putting up the resources on the website so you can look into it some more. But let's begin. Buffalo Calf Road Woman was born in 1844 in what present day referred to as Wyoming. At the time of her birth, the Cheyenne lived according to the Treaty of 1825, in which the Cheyenne and the United States government agreed to obey certain trade restrictions and defined certain areas of the land, which were called territories. Under this treaty, Buffalo Calf Road Woman's people inhabited land now referred to as Wyoming, Montana, Eastern Colorado, Western Kansas, and Western Nebraska. Mm. 1849, so she would be five years old, uh, Buffalo Calf Road Woman, so five-year-old when tragedy strikes. As travelers poured through her homeland on their way to the California gold fields, unlike other settlers, there's a group of settlers, the 49ers, uh, they were described as not particularly hygienic, and their untidy practices caused cholera to ravage the Cheyenne Nation. Wow. Buffalo Calf Road woman and her brother comes in sight, survived, uh, but they lost between one-third to one-half of their people. Wow. Yeah. Uh, following that, Buffalo Calf Road woman learned how to shoot a rifle and hunt. Thank God. Five years old. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> I love, I, already, I'm like, yes. Yes. Okay. 1851, her people, along with uh, several other Plain tribes, signed another treaty at, I should have practiced this, Fort Laram Laramie in what's uh, present day known as Wyoming. The official boundaries okay. were established for each tribe and a general ceasefire was called. <laughs> See if that lasts. Um, right. The, the, at, so after this treaty, the Cheyenne were given parts of uh, present day, what's known as Colorado, Wyoming, and Nebraska. So, I mean, already they were kind enough to enter into a treaty with the United States government, 1825, and the Cheyenne inhabited the land now referred to as Wyoming, Montana, Colorado, part of Colorado, part of Kansas, and Nebraska. Now it's 1851, 
and the government has whittled it down to, well, you're, we're going to give you parts of Colorado, Wyoming, and Nebraska. So, mm. it's already fucked up, in my opinion. Exactly. Exactly. Running the okie-doke. <laughs> yeah, white settlers, um, shockingly, often refuse to respect Cheyenne sovereignty. What? Right. Right. Surprise. Surprise. Mm -hmm. Open hostilities broke out in 1856 when Buffalo Calf Road woman was 12. The Cheyenne began to resist white incursions, and in retaliation, the United States Army attacked several Cheyenne settlements. Wow. Assholes, yeah. Exactly. Though few on either side were killed, the Cheyenne's winter food storage uh, were destroyed that year, and their annuity that year, excuse me, their annuity that year went to the Arapaho in punishment. So they were supposed to be given, uh, I kind of butchered that, but they were supposed to be given um, certain things that they were entitled to under that treaty, and as like a retaliation, the United States government gave it to a different indigenous group of people. So right. as a result, no, not a lot of people were killed, but they wiped out their food, and then the United States government refused to give them supplies that they were entitled to. They gave them to another tribe in retaliation. So um, I think one thing that's important to mention, too, is that, like, because that is the way that is used, right? So people often discuss the old, the end time numbers, right, or the, the numbers that occurred from that instance, whereas in that immediate response, yes, many people were not killed or did not lose their lives in that moment. However, that is what racism, and that's what people have to understand. Racism is not about crippling one in that instance or that, um, that moment, right? So even like when we think about Breonna Taylor, the issues that have occurred create internalized messaging or imagery in a black woman's mind or in a black person's mind that, it, oh, it's never going to work or it's never going to be this, et cetera. So the, the um, game or the fight is lessened. Mm -hmm. So even where you have like with this tribe here and um, the way they're disrespected and yes, we're not harming you. We didn't necessarily harm you by uh, physical assault, right? But when we take away your food and it create intense trauma such as that, we, we impact your generations. So it doesn't even matter whether today or tomorrow, oh, I'm still here, but yes, you've wiped away my ability to feed my children. Deep. Sorry to cut you off. Hell no, please interrupt. That was deep, thank you. So a fragile peace held over the next few years. However, the discovery of gold in Colorado created more incursions and more anger on the part of the Cheyenne. 1861, the United States government negotiated another treaty uh, called the Treaty of Fort Wise. The Cheyenne were, I love how they say were offered, like, bitch, that's my land, but okay. They were that's offered. what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Because uh, we've heard these stories before. That's what you meant, right? Like, it's like the mental game that you're playing yes. to devastate 
an entire yes. group of okay. And Got that's it. why people like because a lot of this history, right? You can apply it to any other indigenous um, group of people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same story, you know. We 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 care about you. Like we're gonna give you. No, there's nothing to give. Mm-hmm. You you're you're confused by that. Like you said, you can't offer me anything with what I own. Like you, all you have to do is frame it with your own crap. Hey, I'll let you stay in your master bedroom tonight. <laughs> um, I actually pay rent here or I pay the mortgage. So this is my master bedroom and you don't get to tell me where I can sleep in my home. Word. Then this deal, they're now whittled down to one thirteenth the size of their current holdings. Though Chief Black Kettle... He was described as a dedicated peacemaker. He supported the treaty. Most of the Cheyenne firmly rejected it, including Buffalo Calf Road Woman. And unfortunately, here's where she largely vanished from the record until 1876. The few things that happened in between, she did marry. She married a warrior named Black Coyote, known for his passionate nature and short temper. Uh, And I read, I thought this was interesting. She stayed with him until her death. And since divorce was remarkably easy among the Cheyenne, uh, some people argue that that's an argument in support of that they made each other happy. They weren't in the Cheyenne. They weren't forced to remain till death do us part, like white Mm. Christian. Divorce was very easy. So I I don't like to assume, but I'm going to say we can assume that they... We're happy together. They had two children, right? They had two children together and one, we couldn't, I couldn't find the name of the other one. One of the children's name, a girl, her name was Little Chicken. Uh, Also, after that, Buffalo Calf Road Woman joins the Elk Scraper Society. Uh, Mm. I know. As a warrior culture, the Cheyenne had several exclusive martial fraternities. Uh, though, ooh, shocking, most of those societies only admitted men. The Elk Scrapper Society was this expressly for the few Cheyenne women who chose to fight. Wow. Their standards were quite high, and a woman would have to prove her skill, bravery, and determination before being initiated by a medicine woman. Uh, no men. Men were expressly forbid- forbidden from witnessing or participating in elk scrapper rituals. Mm. I know, I love it. I mean, so five years old, she learns how to shoot a rifle. She learns how to ride. She saw what happened. She's like, nope, I I am going to defend myself. And now she's in her early 20s, a member of the Elk Scrapper Society. Um, And as a sign of her membership in this elite society, Buffalo Calf Road woman began carrying a specially crafted shield along with her rifle. So she's got a shield, she's got a rifle. Yeah. Uh, Likely she went on raids with the other warriors, uh, letting other mothers in the tribe care for her children while she did so. The Cheyenne increased the severity and frequencies of their raids on white settlers. So here they're starting to say, fuck you. Right. No, you're right. not taking my shit. They're known as extremely successful 
warriors. And they, I, I think that they, they see the writing on the wall. This isn't going to get better. Exactly. And there's a lot of people that wanted to be peaceful and sort of do as they're told. Um, but Buffalo Calf Road women, woman uh, was definitely part of a group of the Cheyennes that were like, no, fuck that. Notable events for the Cheyenne were the Sand, Sand Creek Massacre of 1864 and the Battle of Washita River in 1868. Both times, what happened was ostensibly peaceful Cheyenne settlements were attacked by the United States Army. Uh, outnumbered and outgunned, several hundred Cheyenne died in these two battles, mostly civilians, elderly, and children. But at this time, many indigenous people were living in, quote-unquote, a reservation, uh, while others did not. Buffalo Calf Road woman and her kin, uh, they, they sort of, you know, they saw the writing on the wall, and they were among the last free indigenous people. Basically, they did not move in on the reservation. Right. Uh, the Cheyenne... So at this time, around 1876, Buffalo Calf Road woman is in a tribe, and the leader is named Old Bear. And these weren't white settlers trying to go to California. These were actually, like, the United States government one time came into Old Bear's camp. And I think it was, like, what we were talking about earlier, where they didn't necessarily kill a lot of people, but they destroyed all of their supplies so that they left exactly. them starving and freezing because they're up there in Colorado, Wyoming, cold winter. And yeah, yeah and Buffalo Calf Road woman witnessed this. So after that, um, the Cheyenne, including Buffalo Calf Road woman that survived that attack, they walked for four days in the cold and slush moving east. Uh, they approached the Oglawa Lakota camp of Chief Crazy Horse uh, and said that Crazy Horse cried at their sight and sent word to his camp to prepare food and robes. An old bear offered a pipe of petition to Crazy Horse, who accepted it, pledging his help by the gesture. As the old chief and the young chief smoked mm -hmm. the pipe, the Oglawa hurried among the Cheyenne and gave them food and blankets. Generously, Crazy Horse's people took the Cheyenne refugees into their warm lodges, feeding them and clothing them. A young childless, childless couple took in Calf and her family. Uh, that night, the chiefs of both bands met in council, all men, and they were exchanging like information, telling them how the soldiers attacked Old Bear's village, and Crazy Horse had heard this news, it was sent, there was some indigenous people that left the reservation and acted as, like, scouts or messengers to the tribes that were not on the reservations. It was reported to Crazy Horse by one of these messengers that all the tribes must come into the reservations. Um, and then after much debate, many in Crazy Horse's camp had made the same choice that Old Bear's camp had made. Um, so they violated, um, they felt that the United States government violated the treaty rights by doing this attack on Old Bear's camp and others. Right. 
and that they would not be going on to the reservations. Mm. So Crazy Horse told his guests there could be no more talk of going on the reservations. He argued that the tribes on the Great Plains must band together for their common defense. So they would all go together to join other tribes under Chief Sitting Bull for a war council. Dun, dun, dun. Right. right. <laughs> it's getting real. True. Now, people, the resisting tribes, are banding together, helping each other out, giving them food, giving them shelter. Exactly. And now they're going to take on the United States government, not but one group, but by several groups. So... Crazy Horse and his tribe and the refugees from Old Bear's camp make their way to Chief Sitting Bull's village. Sitting Bull's village was larger than Old Bear and Crazy Horse's combined. It's spread across knolls overlooking Blue Earth Creek, framed by charcoal buttes in the distance. Mm. And they greeted Crazy Horse and Old Bear's tribes very warmly so all of these assembled chiefs all men of the Cheyenne and the other tribes debated on what must be done the young warriors insisted that all whites must be driven from the black hills um and rightfully so anger at the whites violation of their treaty right and the loss of trust that resulted uh spilled across all of the conversations but most importantly everyone agreed that the tribes must stand together united as one great family against the enemy. Mm. Um, and that I love because that is the message for us today. Like, we have to unite. We have to. We have to be aware of the fact that we all have to be able to move productively and positively together. Or we'll still, like, it doesn't matter one one part if you're what is it saying you're only as um strong as the link yeah weakest link yes weakest link you know yes wake up people yes so at the end of that council all of the groups came together and decided that they would resist and buffalo calf road woman she got her shield she got her gun her horse and she joined her brother comes in sight and husband Black Coyote, all three of them joined Crazy Horse's army. Dun dun dun, here we go! Right. Army time! Crazy Horse and his army. They first met the U.S. Army near Rosebud Creek. The army was led by General Crook, appropriately named. Right! <laughs> uh, sure, leading yeah! A... <laughs> right! All about ironic. Leading approximately 1,000 cavalry. Uh, and supported by Crow scouts eager to attack their tribal enemies. And at first, uh, General Crook's forces, they gained the upper hand, and Crazy Horse signaled a retreat. Comes in sight, stayed near the rear of the group, providing covering fire to the retreating soldiers. Unfortunately, okay, so a bullet hit, comes in sight, and he fell from his horse. Our girl, Buffalo Calf Road Woman, she sees this, and when the other men did nothing, she spurred her horse onward and rode directly into the line of fire. She found her brother, dragged him onto her horse, and rode them both to safety. 
her her uh, her bravery set an example for the other warriors and thus inspired they turned retreat into victory wow um, among the Cheyenne, thing. this battle is known as the battle where the girl saved her brother. I kid <laughs> you not. Love it. This is what's coming up. This is this is the big one. Eight days later, Crazy Horse and his army met with Custer at Little Bighorn. Uh, it's also alternatively called the Battle of the Greasy Grass or Custer's Last Stand. Uh, roughly 700 United States soldiers met 1,500 to 2,000 indigenous people's warriors. Buffalo Calf Road woman knocked Custer off her horse, and another indigenous person named Fast Eagle held him down while another indigenous person named Moving Robe Woman stabbed him. Whoa! So, yeah, for her actions, Buffalo Calf Road Woman earned a new name, Brave Woman. Our girl shot Custer off of his horse, which led to him being killed. Wow. Which not a lot of people are familiar. They know about Custer. They know about Custer's last stand. We were never taught, though, that the individual that knocked him off the horse, resulted in his death, was a brave Cheyenne warrior named Buffalo Calf Road Woman. Yep. But Crazy Horses, the, their army, they won the battle, uh, but it's referred to as winning the battle but losing the war. Um, so as a result, in retaliation, the United States Army uh, only increased their determination to force the Plains tribes onto reservations, and Buffalo Calf Road Woman resisted. She and a small band of her people stayed on the move, fleeing the advancing army. Slowly, other Cheyennes surrendered, but Buffalo Calf Road Woman, despite being pregnant and giving birth and having an infant with her, fought back hard. She helped defend a small... I'm, I'm not laughing. I'm just like, wow. Like, I, you, you complain about morning sickness. Do that on a horse, leading a group of people out and uh, battling the United States Army. It's the truth. I'm not even going to go off on a tangent about that, but it's just like, not to be rude, but I mean, do how many times do we have to say that we're the strongest? <laughs> like, how many times do we need to make it clear what we're capable of? But I digress. Mm -hmm. No, you're right. Um, she, yeah, while she was uh, pregnant... She gave birth, had the infant. She still defended a small band of approximately 30 Cheyenne from being captured. Wow. But sadly, Buffalo Calf Road Woman was eventually force-marched by the United States Army to a reservation in what is now known as Oklahoma. Um, mm -hmm. The conditions in the reservation were awful, and so Buffalo Calf Road Woman with 300 similarly-minded Cheyenne snuck out of the reservation and fled to what is now known as Nebraska. This United States so government uh, did not let them go easily, 
and her band of Cheyenne had to continually run and hide from the soldiers hunting them. Unfortunately, her husband, Black Coyote, got into an argument with another warrior, Black Crane, and killed him. For his crime, Black Coyote was banished uh, from the group, and Buffalo Calf Road woman and their children and a few relatives went with him into exile. Uh, tragically, she and her family were quickly captured by army officers. Uh, Black Coyote killed one of the soldiers while trying to defend his family, for which he was tried and sentenced to be executed. And there's some debate that I read that because of Black Coyote's exile could be one reason why um, her, her people kept her story a secret. Um, That's true. Right? But it's insane. It's like an indigenous woman shot Custer off his horse, and we don't know about it. It's vanished from history. It is. Because, as you said earlier, it's his story. Oh, right. That's why we're not called... It's not history on this show. It's nope. You a said dovetail. that. It's an American story. Stories. You That's said like, can that. Can we just go, like, one second on that? Like, why we're saying it's an American story as opposed to, like... Like, it all goes into, well, this is Women's Histories Month. This is... Um, what do they call February? African Black History Am Month. Yeah. African American or Black History Month. It's not a month. You're not going to separate our history into these little groups and yep. that the just regular, quote-unquote, regular American history is um, the mainstream and then everything else is cordoned off. This is Black History Month. This is No. Here on the Red Dove, this is an American story. And it is just as true as all of the other stories that are in our textbooks in school. But for some reason... It has been shelved onto the his stories bookshelves. Yes. I like this. I found a traditional Cheyenne, excuse me, Cheyenne saying, "A nation is not conquered until the hearts of its women are on the ground. Then it is done, no matter how brave its warriors or how strong its weapons." Going back to what you said, how many times we have to tell people how strong women are? Right? They and must like hearing it. Like, they must really just like to get us riled up. I don't know where it comes from, but it's very clear. Like, and we were having a conversation about this the other day, but just in a woman's ability to... Because, okay, so oftentimes I feel like as women we are often expected to manage so much, so many other things while looking good, right? Mm -hmm. And that in itself is problematic, but also challenging because you have to be very organized to do so, you yes. know? And I think that as a, as a mother, um, and me not being a mother yet, but when I look at other mothers like you and others that I respect, you have to manage so many things and still in quotation marks make it look good right <laughs> um, I think that 
the aspect of making it look good and, and changing that to being strategic or being intelligent or being a problem solver um, is a, it's a serious skill. And, you yeah. know, there are so yeah. many, I've spoken with women before that will say things like, I haven't worked in so long. I only, or I was just taking care of my kids. That's never a just. Like mm -hmm. the art, the ability, and the strength in womanhood, womanhood is often overlooked. And not that we want um, someone to walk around and say, oh, women are great, women are great. Like, I don't need a parade behind me. I'm fine but with it, but exactly. not necessary. The ability is there. You're, oh, you're saying you want the parade. Yeah, go I'm ahead. No, I'm go just find you, Go find you 15, 16 men to say she's awesome. She's great. <laughs> or how about just my kids? Oh, I would appreciate that. Right? <laughs> all these thankless jobs. They're devaluing I mean, us. Yes. Yes. And that is also, like, once again, it's the, with what we're discussing with the red, the red dovetails and the conversations, mm -hmm. like... Unless we bring it to life, it doesn't exist in his story. Unless we bring it to life, it does not exist. And your story, period, mm -hmm. unless you bring it to life, which mm -hmm. is the awesome part about shout out to Rainy and the others to come. Mm -hmm. But that's the awesome aspect because unless you bring it to life, unfortunately, it, it just gets put yeah. to the side. Yes. Yep. yep. Well, it may have been short, but it was vital. I love her. I will be doing uh, dovetails. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll be uh, sprinkling them in the rotation. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a great story. Like, curl up with your favorite blanket, relax, listen to a dovetail. Um, but it's all sort of, it all dovetails into one another it's we're sharing stories we're sharing stories of everyday women we're sharing stories of extraordinary women because every woman's story has value and the ones that you you as far as the history the lexicon the fact that we don't know who buffalo calf road woman is and that a woman a cheyenne warrior shot custard off of his horse the fact that that is not in the textbooks and common knowledge is the problem yep and that's in part of what we show. try to do here is like to bring light to these american stories they're not given the same attention in an, whether in our school books or in the common knowledge as a nation it's time to get well-rounded i guess yes <laughs> yes Completely.